Amen. It's all about what the Lord's done. Praise the Lord that he loves us the way he does. As we come this morning, I want us to take just a few moments this morning and look at God's perfect provisions. As we coming off of um, July's sermon series and talking about claiming the victory, we took a lot to look at this battle that was raging on around us. And if I have to be honest, when we start talking about a spiritual battle and we begin talking about this battle that we can't see, it makes me sometimes worry just a little bit. How? How can we do that? How do we get along in this world that's the way it is today? I was just hearing about a, a, a car chase that went down through the, the Manny area uh, last week and said that they went to pull the, the gentleman over and he wouldn't stop. And he just kept going and going and they called for state police. They had everyone come in, one of them big long lines of cop cars. He ran a couple off in the ditch and they knew something had to be done before they got to Leesville. And there was a lady, my understanding, a lady police officer from Leesville that I guess was the only one out of the groups that had enough. She had to hit him head on to stop him before he got into Leesville. He hijacked a car out of Shreveport. And then hearing upon that, how every day that week there was a carjacking in Shreveport in three in one day. How? I mean, that makes you worry just a little bit, doesn't it? I mean, if we're honest... And we understand that what's going on in this world is just going to continue. Scripture tells us that. It's not one of these in our front mind that's like the cartoon character where it gets better. I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. But looking at God's perfect provisions, I want us to, to talk about that where it says don't worry. Well, why do I say don't worry? Have you ever been like me? With all this that's going on and understanding that there's a spiritual battle out there and we're fighting against the devil, do you oftentimes feel weak? Not up to the task? You know, there's sometimes that I feel unsecure just because I can't see what's going around. We can feel it. I believe many of us sense what's going on. But sometimes we feel insecure, and oftentimes I am in a needy mood. I need for God to step up. Are you like that? Well, today I want us to look at this. Because of God's perfect provisions, church, we don't have to worry. If you would open your Bibles to the gospel according to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25. Once you've turned there, if you would please stand. As we look at this, and Jesus was speaking to them there, and I want you to hear what he had to say. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. 
Are you not worth much more than they are? Father God, Lord, we just come to you today. And Father, from the depths of our heart, I believe that most of us in here could confess that, Father, we do a lot of worrying. Father, with this world that we're living in, our flesh often kicks in. And we begin to look at what's around us, Lord, and we feel weak. Father, we feel that we're not up to the task that you ask us to do. Father, we feel unsecure in this battle because we can't see the enemy. And Father, we're needing. And Father, if we're honest, what we really need is you. Father, we're thankful that as your children, Father, we are yours. Father, would you speak to us? Father, would you speak to me today? Father, would you open our hearts and our ears to hear from Holy Spirit? Father, would you open our eyes that we can behold wonderful things from your word? Father, as we tune to you, Father, would you do what you do best? And Father, would you provide the perfect provisions that we need for this day and this time in history. And Father God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen and amen. I asked you those questions. If you were like me, if you felt weak and unsecure and needing, well, uh, I'm glad if you're able to answer that honestly, because we have a heavenly father who loves us. And as God's children, he provides For his children, just as you provided for your children, God provides for us. Let me just read to you from Philippians 4.19. And it says, And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. I love that because God supplies everything that we need, not according to our riches, but according to his riches riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Well, why is that so great? Because let me tell you, God's riches is a lot vaster than my riches, and it's a lot vaster than any of your riches. God has an over of abundance, and he provides for everything we need. And with that in mind, I want us to look at what three of the perfect provisions that God has for us. Let me read you this verse to set up our first point in 2 Peter 1. It says, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world by its lust. The first thing we see there is that he has divine power. And if you for like me and you feel weak, we would probably say amen. The first thing we need is power. Amen. And we have that power. When we accept Christ, we confess our sins, he washes us, comes anew, Holy Spirit comes in. Church, we become a temple of the living God. 
Holy Spirit is God. He's the third part of the Trinity. And when he comes to reside in us, guess what he brings with him? All of the power that he has. The problem is us little weak humans don't understand how to harness that and how to use that. But we have the power. Why does he give us the power? Let's look at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1 uh, verse 5 says, Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence and in your moral excellence knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sin. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you are practiced these things, you will never stumble. You see, we can, church, we can get through this life. We can get through these days. We can fight in this battle and we can hold our head high because we have the power that comes from God within us. And it tells us that this power is for a reason. I'm so glad God didn't just save us to save us. He saved us for a reason and he gives us the power because he wants us to live that godly life and that kindness and that love that's in us. And we increase in that. We increase in our knowledge of Christ. He has to give us power because we're fighting the devil constantly because the devil doesn't want you reading this right here. The devil doesn't want you to pray. You know, the devil is perfectly fine. I heard this not long ago. The devil is perfectly fine with you going to church. The devil's perfectly fine with you doing anything in your life but prayer and reading the word. Why is that? Because there's power. We learn the knowledge of Jesus. And in the name of Jesus, there is power. And the devil doesn't want that because guess what? As big and bad as he might think he is, church, we're mightier than he is with the power that's within us. But we have to use that. We have to bring that to us. And we have to allow that in Colossians. Let me just read to you from Colossians 1 just real quick. It says, for this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we've not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. What a prayer. They were praying for the Colossian church for the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all power, accordance to his glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. He gives us power, church, because we need steadfastness. We need steadfast. We need to be able to stand the ground. 
You know, if we didn't have the power from God for steadfastness, when the enemy rears its ugly head, we would turn and run. Because, you know, the devil, why he might portray himself as beauty and his voice perfect. You know, we see that picture of a devil on TV with the horns and the little tail and the pitchfork. He's really neither of those. I believe if we were to ever see the devil, Satan himself, it would terrify us. I I really do. I think it would scare us so much and we need to be steadfast because we're children of God and he gives us that power. Why did the steadfastness, and I looked that up, it says the capacity to hold out or bear up in the face of difficulties. Any of you got difficulties in your life right now? Amen. God gives us the power for steadfastness so that we can stand up to that. We can stand our ground. We don't have to run away. Just like those football players put on those cleats and they kneel down when they're going to play and they dig their feet into the ground and when those opposing forces come against them, they can stand their ground. Well, we have the power to stand our ground. But it's also to stay the course even in adversity. We can keep on with what God has called us to do, with the good news of God's word. We can keep on living and we can keep on living the Christian life in face of adversity. James 1.4 talks about the endurance and that we lack nothing. Do you hear that? We lack nothing in power, church, to be able to have steadfastness from that prayer that they were praying. What might we lack if we didn't have God's power? Probably one thing would be patience. Because even with God's power, we have a bad deal with patience, don't we? And we'll put this little freebie in there for you. I've heard years ago, and maybe I shouldn't say it, maybe I should. Don't pray for patience. Because God's going to teach it to you the hard way. But maybe we do need to do that. Because we can be steadfast, patience. Uh, I really, I was, I like to look up some of these words and get a better definition than what I had growing up. But listen to this for patience. A state of remaining tranquil while awaiting an outcome. We're all waiting an outcome. And that outcome is for the return of Christ. But with the power of God, we have patience. We can remain tranquil, free from disturbance. We all got something disturbing us, but we can be free from that. We can have a tranquil life while we're waiting for Christ to come and we're able to stay the course without disturbance in the middle of disturbance. It's all around us. When we look at unbelievers... And we see this life that they're living and we see them just disturbed for many of them because they don't have the power of God and they don't have the ability to stand fast. 
They don't have the ability to have patience. When everything around the world is disturbing you, I was sharing with someone else the other day, they said, did you know? Did you hear? No. Maybe I just never got in the habit. You know, I don't watch the news. Maybe I should. I don't read much of the newspaper. Because I tell you, it's all disturbing. Back when most of y'all were growing up, there was probably decent news that actually reported news. And you would probably, more often than not, find something good that was going on. I don't find anything good in the news that I see anymore. And it's disturbing, but you know, I have a peace within me, even around all of this disturbance, because God's power is in me, and I can live that away. You can live that away. I believe most of us in here, for a lot of our time, we do live that away, but sometimes we begin to worry, and we let it come in, but we've got to go back to the truth of the matter. And that's it's God's perfect provision. He provides us power. And in that prayer it also said, not just steadfastness or patience, but joyously giving thanks. The expression of gladness. Now here's the difference, I truly believe, between a believer and a non-believer. As a believer, I can be in the middle of disturbance and distress and trials and tribulations but I can still raise my hand and I can still joyously praise the Father knowing that he loves me and that he's there with me he gives me the power the power within me to joyously give thanks even in difficult times a non-believer they they can't do that it's everybody else's fault everything's falling apart nothing's right what's going on Look around, the world's falling in. Well, yes, it is, but praise the Lord, I'm on the winning side. The Lord loves me. Ephesians 1 tells us this in verses 19 and 20. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ When he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. We can joyously praise God and give him thanks that our Savior is a living Savior. Amen. There is no other person out there who can claim to be living. None of the other gods, Muhammad or or Buddha or any of those even claim that, much less can substantiate it. But Jesus Christ declared before he even died that he would rise again from the grave. Before he was ever born, the Old Testament is constantly pointing forward to his resurrection. After he resurrected, he showed people. Many people saw him as he ascended to the Father to go back to his Father to be seated at the right hand. And I know I've shared this with you. It is important that we understand that he is seated at the right hand of the Father. Why is that? Because he is seated at the right hand of the Father. It means his task in life was completed. We don't sit down while we're still working. His job in life was to come and to be perfect. And to die on that cross for no one else but you. 
If no one else in the world was ever born but you, he would have still done it. And he died on that cross while hanging on that cross. One of the things that he uttered out was, Father, it is finished. I'm glad he didn't say, I'm finished. But it is finished. What you asked me to do is completed. He bowed his head and he, he gave up his ghost. They put him in the grave. And three days later, he defeated death. He has that power. It talks about the dunamis power. We think of dunamis as dynamite, a destructive, but it's not a destructive. It's an ultimate power of who he is. And that power he has given to us. Second Corinthians says, and he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Amen. My grace is sufficient for you. It's okay to say amen. I know we're Baptist. I'm going to pull it out of you. Amen? amen. We can speak his grace is sufficient for power is perfected in weakness. Our weakness and our trials produces the power within us, not produces it, but helps us to learn it. Because as you learn what you have, the power grows in us. Well, one thing I loved when I was with the fire department. We have this fire gear that we put on. And if I was to tell each of you, you would say, okay, great, it's some heavy, hot equipment. But we would have to put that fire gear on in training and we would get into this metal box and they would start this fire in this box and you would begin to get even hotter than it was already and you would begin to sweat and that fire would build and the smoke would fill and this box would get over five and six hundred degrees and we're in there and we come out and I'm okay. You see, I went through the endurance to learn what the equipment would do. So that when I had to put it to the test, when somebody's house was on fire, I would be comfortable enough to go in. So what happens to us as we go through difficult times, we learn that God's grace is sufficient for us. And that he gives us that power that comes from that. And he says, therefore, I would rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Here we go. Oh, Paul, he's a little better than me. Uh, I don't know many of us that walk around boast about our weakness. But Paul understood that he learned the power that was in him through that. 1 John 4, 4 says, You're from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he is who is in the world. The one that's in us is power is greater than the one that's in the world. That's the devil. So God's perfect provision is he gives us power. I want to share with you a little story you might have read in the Old Testament about a man named Elisha. You see, Elisha was helping the Israelite army uh, when the king of Aram was coming after them. He would strategically plan a place to attack Israel. And all of a sudden, Israel would turn and they wouldn't go there. Well, the king become very upset. Because every time he planned, it would turn. So he called some people and he said, all right, basically, who's telling them? And one guy said, it's not us. But it's Elisha. 
He says, Elisha even tells what you say in the bedroom. In other words, what's said in secret, he still knows. So the king of Aram decided there's only one way. He said, I must take out Elisha. So he found out where Elisha was and he moved in. Elisha is in his tent and his man that's with him and they're sleeping. And the whole, whole army of the king of Aram searches around. And they totally encircle this camp. And Elisha's in there. He's just sleeping it up. Well, the gentleman that's with him gets up. And he goes out. And can you imagine putting your head out of the tent and you're surrounded by a hundred wild grizzly bears? This army was much more than that. This little guy begins shaking. He has to go in and wake up the prophet. You don't think Elisha knew they were probably out there? But he went in and he said, Elisha, you got to wake up. Come on. They're all around us. What are we going to do? And Elisha says, I'm not worried. He said, why not? Listen to this prayer that Elisha prayed. Then Elisha prayed and said, oh Lord, I pray open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and saw and behold, the mountains were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You got Elisha here, the enemies around him. The other guy couldn't see, but he said, open his eyes. And all around that other army, totally surrounded, was God's army. You know, God not only provides us power, he provides us protection. While we may not see it, I would have to say on one hand, I would love to have my eyes opened to see all that God's doing in the spiritual realm around us. But on the other hand, I I say, oh Lord, not. Because I would have to see the other side too. And I sure don't want to see that. But he provides protection Elisha was there asleep. He could sleep knowing that God was protecting him. He didn't have to worry. You see why he might have felt, we might feel unsecure. He did not feel unsecure. He knew that there was protection. He rested among the enemy. Have you ever been able to do that? Be in the middle of your enemy and just rest? You know, you back when you were working and you go to, to work and those of you who still are and those in school, there's enemy all around us and oftentimes we come home and we're fretting and we're fearing about it. But God protects his children and he gives us total protection. Psalm 91.4 He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. God covers us with an analogy that we can see of God covers us with his feathers. We find protection under his wings. How many of you ever raised chickens? You don't have to raise your hand. It's one thing I've loved is to see that mama chicken 
And all those little baby chickens just following right behind. And you let something startle one of them. And as soon as he does that, what does mama do? She fluffs out. They all come on in. She puts, you can't even see them anymore. She brings them in. And she closes her wings around them. And they're covered up. They feel safe. They feel secure. They're protected. See, that's what God does for us is he protects us. He provides protection for his children. Now, we've got to stay in his law. He gives us things to keep us there. You know, we can't just be dumbheaded about it and just go full force. I mean, God does protect us. But, I mean, if I just bear down and take off running head first in that brick wall, I'm going to hit my head on a brick wall and it's going to hurt. He gives us enough sense, I think, to stay within his confines. He doesn't give us things to punish us as uh, far as following him. But you know, it's not just the power. It's not just the protection. Let me, let's I think up on the screens here for you. Luke chapter 12 says, Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, but I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass in the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will he clothe you, you men of little faith? Another one of God's perfect provisions is he has provision. He provides for us. He provides for us out of his Abundance, And guess what he's going to provide for you? He's going to provide what's good for you. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. God's going to provide for us what God wants us to do. He is going to lavish on us. I think I've shared with you all one time before when I uh, was... Working on getting my degree in mortuary science, I had to move to Dallas. I worked part-time while I was there. I'd go to school the first half of the day. I'd work the second half of the day. You don't make much money working part-time, and you don't make much money when you're working part-time hours. But while I was living there, I never went without. Not necessarily everything I wanted But everything I needed, he supplied. And most of everything that I wanted. I can't think of a time right now that there wasn't something that I didn't need or want that he didn't provide. But God doesn't just provide to to provide. He provides for us to do his work. He provides what we need. 2 Peter 1.3 Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Through his power he granted us everything pertaining to life and to godliness. Well, God, you just happened to know what we needed, didn't you? No, he designed it. He designed us and he provides. It's one of his perfect provisions. You know the difference between God and the devil? In case you didn't know, there's a difference. 
probably a, a verse you might have read for John 10.10. 10. Listen to what was said, Jesus. The thief comes only to steal and kill and to destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. The devil come and he wants to take. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal what's good in your life. He wants to kill everything going on. Have you ever seen a church that begins to get on fire for God and all of a sudden it's just squashed out? Kid comes back from camp. They're on a high. How long is it before that high is killed? Satan's after that. He wants to steal. He wants to kill. He wants to destroy everything. But Jesus said, I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. How to get all that God has for you. You want to know that God has a storehouse for you. How do we get it? Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What are all of these things? And in this verse it says all of these things will be added to you. What will that be? Well, Jesus was speaking on the Sermon on the Mountain. Beautiful place. I've been there on the, the side of the Sea of Galilee where this mountain goes up. And we know this long, what they call a discourse or Jesus' sermon. And he was talking to them in verse 31 about worrying. And listen to what he said. He's basically, don't worry what they will eat told them not to worry with what they'll drink told them not to worry what they're going to wear and then he said don't worry about tomorrow well there's life would you agree that's comforted eat yeah we like that eat drink and wear and tomorrow Don't worry about it. Why is that? Because he said, if you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all of these things, what you're going to eat, what you drink, what you're going to wear, even tomorrow will be added to you. But you must seek first, not second, not third, seek first his kingdom And his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. You know, God is a great father. Would you all agree with that? He's a loving father. And we don't have to worry. I want to close with one couple more verses here for you out of Matthew 7. Or what man is there among you who when his son asks for a loaf... We'll give him a stone. Well, that would just be silly, wouldn't it? Somebody wants something to eat, we're not going to give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, he'll not give him a snake. Will he? Please don't. I don't like snakes. But I want something to eat. Verse 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your Father, who is in heaven, give what is good to those who ask him? There it is, church. God is the great provider. He is the one that provides our power.
He's the one that provides our protection. He's the one that provides our provisions. I like how he says that if we basically as humans, let's bring it to today, if we as humans understand how to give to our children what they need, how much more our Heavenly Father knows exactly what we need. I believe he's there on his throne and he's just waiting. You know, he's waiting to hear your voice. He's waiting to hear from you. Father God, what do you have for me today? Father, will you give me the power, the protection, the provisions? Be specific and go to him. I once heard a story, and it's not biblical, but I believe it portrays a point. Man had died, and he went to heaven, and he was looking around at everything. And over in the distance, he saw warehouse after warehouse after warehouse. He said, what is that? And God said, that's everything I had for you that you never asked for. God gives out of his abundance. Amen. He provides for us. We must be his because he's given to his children. We must seek his kingdom. Would you bow your heads? Father God, how great we are today. Father, we're thankful that, Father, that you are a God of perfect provisions. Father, you know what we need and you supply that. But, Lord, I'm asking, Lord, that we as your children will become in tune to Holy Spirit's leading in our prayer life. And that, Father, in our prayer life, as your word says, we will boldly approach your throne. And, Father, through our prayer life, may we boldly bring our request to you. And, Father, would you feel those requests within your will? Father, sometimes we don't know the right way to ask, and maybe we're off a little bit. But, Father, would you bring it to your will? Father, would you supply that? Lord God, I just pray right now, Lord, if there happens to be someone in this room, Father, who doesn't know you, Father, they're missing out. Father, not only are they missing out on this, or they're missing out on a relationship with you. Father, to be able to have peace and joy and steadfastness in this life that we're living. Father, would you soften their heart to Holy Spirit right now? Father, would that power come within them, Lord, to call out to you in faith and in repentance? Father, for those here today that know you, Father, would you allow them the privilege? Lord, I'm going to ask right now that you would restore the joy of your salvation in them and that, Father, that we don't have to worry about this life that we live in. Now, there's things, Lord, that, yes, Father, we have to tend to. But would we not fret over them? Would we not worry about them? Because we know that we're your children and that you love us and that you're going to provide for us. Father, would you wash that peace over everyone, Lord, in this room that's a believer right now? Father, would you help us to hold our heads high as we walk in this world that's in opposition to you? 
Because, Father, you provide everything. And, Father, part of that is what we looked at last month. Father, you provide us the armor to go through this life. Would you dress us now? Father, would you fill us? And, Lord God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. If you would just stand right where you are for just...